everyone, my name is Carrie Witcher, and you too can be a Marketplace Multiplier because Marketplace Multipliers equip all Christians to influence their workplace and integrate their faith by making disciples and unleashing the kingdom of God wherever they are. Welcome to episode 10 of the Marketplace Multipliers podcast. My name is Jeff Clark, and I work as the associate head basketball coach at Indiana Wesleyan University. Over these first 10 episodes, We've been spotlighting those who will be featured in a book written by David Drury that will be available for purchase this month. This will be the final installment of bi-weekly podcasts featuring his interviews leading up to the book, and we will transition to monthly releases beginning in March. David will join in the third segment to share more about this project and how it will help fuel this global movement. In today's featured interview, we will hear David interview Rochelle Jenkins about how she integrates her faith and influences for Christ as a nurse. First, Here's Wayne Schmidt to talk more about his passion to see those who are on the front lines of work stepping forward into their kingdom potential, as well as some updates on what is ahead in the coming months, including the public launch of MM in April. Be on the lookout for more information on www.marketplacemultipliers.com and in next month's episode. Joined again by General Superintendent Wayne Schmidt. And Wayne, we're coming to the final episode of season one, and all of these episodes have been interviews from David Drury to a Marketplace Multiplier. They were originally recorded for a book that's going to be coming out here just in the next couple of weeks. What's your excitement as, as you see this book being ready to be released for the world to see? Yeah, the book is called Marketplace Multipliers. It's a book of people telling their story. Dave Drury is uniquely gifted to capture the voice of someone else and write it from their perspective, so he's used that gifting. But what I love is people will read a lot of stories about Marketplace Multipliers, and some they'll really relate to and others they won't relate to, but all of them have to do with integrating their faith with their work and stewarding their influence. And today we're going to hear from Rochelle Jenkins, who uh, has a featured chapter in the book. I know that you don't know her, but as I've talked with you, you have a particular passion for those who are in frontline positions like Rochelle is. Yeah, many of the people we've had on our podcast or talked about maybe in more management roles, etc. And I love featuring how they're stewarding the authority they have, the responsibilities they have. But a ton of our marketplace multipliers are front lines people. In other words, every day, like Rochelle, she's engaging with patients. We have people who are working in a, you know, the, the auto repair shops who are engaging with customers. We have people who are serving like in HR roles and working with clients and, and with sales and on and on it goes. So Rochelle is an example of someone who spends every day in connecting not only with her fellow employees, but people beyond those who work in her company. It's exciting to hear you say that because I know in my experience, as I think about marketplace multipliers, title, position has nothing really to do with the role in the kingdom that you can play in the marketplace. And Rochelle even exhibits that. She, she does both pastoring a church, as, as she'll talk about, and working in the marketplace. So 
Are you seeing a trend towards co-vocational potential for those who work in the marketplace and feel called there, but also feel called to pastor a church? Yeah, I, I would describe it this way, that there's a broad calling to the marketplace for people who want to integrate their faith and steward their influence. Then within that very broad group, there will be some God will raise up and say, I want you to plant a microchurch, uh, maybe within your workplace context or beyond your workplace context. And so at that point, they become co-vocational. Uh, their, their, their main function is their marketplace function, but they complement that with a, an expression of church that they give leadership to. And Rochelle is a great example of that. As we transition out of these interviews from, from Dave every other week and, and move into a monthly podcast, we're anticipating a launch event for Marketplace Multipliers where people from different churches from all over will be coming together to launch the official Marketplace ministry. Can you tip that off a little bit and, and we'll have more information in, in upcoming episodes? Yeah, if you kind of think of when you have a church launch, you have a launch team that forms and then there's a time when you go public. Well, we've been working over the past several months, Jeff, as you know, you're part of the strategy team. It's been over a year that people have been working and chapters have been joining up and we may have 50 chapters and they may be in various parts of the world by the time we get to this public launch. But on April 17, we're going public and that's when we'll have a virtual uh, focused conference to kind of launch the marketplace movement. And that will then uh, allow us to um, connect more people in to being marketplace multipliers. And it's a great opportunity now for people to save that day and look out for more details in the, in the coming weeks and months. And now we're going to hear David Jury interview Rochelle Jenkins. And then Dave will come on again in the third interview and we'll talk more about his book and the public launch. So just tell me a little bit about yourself and your context and your work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I live on the east side of Indianapolis. Um, I moved to Indianapolis about seven years ago, a little over seven years ago now. Um, grew up in Wisconsin, then went to Indiana Wesleyan here. Um, after that, got a nursing job at Community East Hospital Um it was on the cardiac PCU, which is like a progressive care unit, not quite like an intensive care unit, but um, we do take a little bit more sicker patients. So um, we take patients that are like after heart attacks or heart failure patients, um, but we also get a broad spectrum because in one way or another, everything kind of leads back to the heart. How, how long have you been a Christian? And then at what point did you start to connect being a Christian into your world of being a nurse in the hospital. Yeah. Um, So I became a Christian when I was 16. And then I would say, because of my personality, um, it takes me a long time to get comfortable around people. So when I first started at the hospital, the first year or two was mostly just spent observing and getting my feet on the ground and learning how to be a good and safe nurse. Um, When I had been a nurse for one year, they asked me to start training new nurses. And that kind of helped me to get out of my shell and take a little bit more of a leadership position. Um, So I would say maybe a year after that, um, it was especially when my husband Travis was called into ministry as well. And we were working at a church um, over in Speedway. 
And it was then that we started figuring out what it would look like to lead our own kind of ministry for young adults. And that started to flow over to what I was talking to people about in the hospital. So it was more sharing what I'm doing with my ministry in my life with my friends at work. Um, I wouldn't say I had started intentionally uh, discipling people in the hospital, but the more that I talked about it, many of them were not part of the church at all. But the more I talked about it, the more they became interested in what we were doing. And I would say maybe two years after that, so I'd been with some of them for almost five years at that point, um, we really started to get invested in, I think they're interested enough to start getting involved and want more from what we're doing in our church. What does it look like to actually integrate your faith in that work? Yeah, it's a lot different because it's not structured and it's not planned most of the time. Um, A lot of the time people are invested in my life and I'm invested in their life. And so it turns into these one or two minute conversations between it. It'll be like we're sitting at the nurse's station and we're all charting on what we've done for the morning. And we just start to talk about what's been going on. Um, And then I'll get opportunities to share what we talked about at our last service. And they'll be asking questions about what um, that the scripture means for their life or the things that they don't really understand about what I've talked about. And we had a friend, um, James Laker, who had this same vision that before I'd ever even heard of it, of this house church model. Um, And he had a church called Living Mission. And it was Living Mission uh, Church of the Nazarene. And it was just him and one of his other friends meeting in his house. And he asked Travis and I if we wanted to come take a look at what they were doing and had a little mini interview without us knowing about it. And the next week, they called us and asked if we wanted to be a part of this model. And they said, it's not going to look like any other model that you've ever seen. Um, It probably will not have the numbers that you're looking for, but what it does is it gets you out into the community. And he joined the neighborhood committee for his neighborhood. So he got to meet all the new people that moved into their neighborhood. And he used that as a way to connect. He was the kind of leader that let you go. And we asked if we could start doing that in our neighborhood. And I said, I think I feel some of these nurses that I've been talking to needing a place where they could come and it could be tailored to what they've understood and what they need to know. He said, absolutely, go do it. So we started um, back in August of 2008. 18 meeting um, meeting in our house on Wednesday nights for nurses. Talk to me about your call mm-hmm. and and what, what you see for the future. Do you see nursing in your future for quite a while? Do you see uh, you know sort of this leading of the church and equipping other people part? Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah, I've actually been asked that a lot going through my ministerial interviews. Um, And they always ask, well, do you plan on being a full-time pastor or a full-time nurse? And I always say, yes, Um, because I don't really see a division between being a nurse and being a pastor. That is where I'm a pastor. So when I share this idea of having two full-time jobs, it's not working 80 hours a week. It is using the secular job that I have in the hospital as being a full-time pastor. And there are people on the unit that actually call me their pastor in the hospital. Um, And so if people need prayer, they've started to come to me. I've actually had people on different units call me down to their unit when a pastor wasn't available. So it looks like me being paid to be a nurse, and I am going through and doing all the things that a standard bedside nurse would do. 
but in with a little bit more of if people need spiritual care, that's where I am there to help as well, and investing in their lives. And I think what makes a good nurse, too, is knowing that they are supported so they can feel safe at work, have a good time, um, be confident. And this atmosphere of being able to minister to them in their life, even though they're at work, goes a long way to creating um, happy staff and good staff, as well as building relationships and trust between each other. So this back and forth of being a nurse and being a pastor works well together, especially in a career where it is a very compassionate and giving environment. Talk to me about you know, let's say you meet a nurse in Seattle and and he or she is vibrant in their faith and doesn't necessarily think of themselves as a pastor as you would and as other people see you. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give that person? How much of what you're doing can they do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the that's what's great about it is you don't, for this style of ministry in particular, meeting in your house, a lot of it is more of your, what do they call it, your EQ, your relational IQ with people, and less of your intelligence IQ. Um, and so if they are working in a nursing job and they have kind of that idea that they may want to reach other people, the best thing they can do to prepare is just learn how to observe and communicate. And sometimes you have to know where people are at because certain styles of um, evangelism will not work with certain people. So it all is this idea of who you are involved with and where the people in your relationships are at and understanding. Um, but yeah. So um, so then what would be your advice to that person? They might be a nurse or a dentist or a legal assistant or are they work in an office or they, I don't know, work at a car wash. Like that person that works in a, in a, in a marketplace setting of a variety of kinds, mm-hmm. what's your advice for them on the first few things to do yeah. uh, to start to develop a potential community like you have that's largely based out of your marketplace? Mm-hmm. Um, the first, very first piece of advice I would say is trust where God placed you um, and trust the people that he's placed you around. And I would say pray that you are given eyes to see the understanding of their lives. So the first and easiest way to get started is to just interact. And sometimes it will have to be outside of work, depending on what your job details are. Um, take someone out to eat, see where they're at, see what their interest is in. And it really starts with an interest in someone's lives. It doesn't start with you intentionally going out and I'm going to preach the gospel to them when we go out to dinner. It really starts with, hey, what's going on in your life? How's your family? And there you get to learn the details of where they're needing Christ most. We're joined now by Dave Drury, And we just heard from Rochelle being interviewed by you. And and typically we bring on the local church pastor, but Rochelle's a little different because she has her own church uh, that she meets in her house and and you have a very similar thing. So can you talk before we get to her just about the the way some MMs will be called to be bivocational and they may start their own form of of church? Yeah, I it's a it's a unique thing. Um, I, I don't know that all people who would consider themselves marketplace multipliers would do this, but there are some people that um, that sort of have these dual callings, uh, or sometimes they have three or four different callings. They're, they're not just co-vocational or bivocational, they're like multi-vocational. 
uh, and they just um, they and so some of that might feel like what we would consider somebody being a pastor. And Rochelle is a pastor. She's actually ordained, which is not typical of the kind of people uh, that you've been featuring on this great podcast. But um, it's also, but then she has this other calling, which is not less than or greater than her ministry calling uh, as a pastor, and that's a calling as a nurse. And in fact, I mean, it's been fascinating and humbling to watch Rochelle this year um, put way more effort than ever into her nursing calling during COVID. Uh, They are working like 60-hour weeks. She's um, constantly dealing with the stresses of that. Everybody in the medical community this year has been just crazy for them. And so for the last 10 months, that has been kind of the way it is for her. And in some respects, while her, it has been interesting to watch this because I was able to interview her for this book before COVID hit, then to watch her in the last 10 months respond to those challenges and to realize that her, it's maybe an old word, but kind of like parish, the people that she ministers to, it's not just about a meeting that happens that is quote unquote church. It's the parish of that hospital and the people that enter it and certainly all the people that work at it. And that has increased. So in a way, even though uh, her meetings look different now, uh, her ministry has not changed at all. In fact, it's expanded. And um, some people have that sort of, uh, you know, they have multiple vocations. And, and I mean, we do too. You and I are both fathers and husbands. Well, that, that's a calling for me too, right? Even though I don't get paid. In fact, it costs me money. Uh, we have different callings in our lives. And she has um, those multiple callings. It's kind of interesting to look at. And I think it's helpful for people that have a workplace calling um, they sometimes feel a calling towards ministry too, and they haven't considered that, you know, yeah, it'd be great if you really feel clearly you should like sell everything you own and go to seminary or go be a missionary. Those are great callings, but there are some people that do both at the same time, that stay in the pocket, in their marketplace setting, and it not only becomes something that is two separate lives, like a day job, night job thing, it actually molds together to where they're both kind of blurred in with one another and they become one and the same. We're going to get to the book in a a minute. Uh, But first, I want to push in a little bit on what you're saying, because you've had a chance writing this book to interact with a lot of different people who are living out their calling in the marketplace. And you just shared about how Rochelle almost seemed like she was set up uh, to do ministry in the workplace because she was on the front lines as COVID happened. What, what have you noticed as, a, as pattern and trends? Have you have interacted with more marketplace people as they live out their calling in the workplace? What happens to them? What new joy do they find? What new purpose and meaning? What happens to a marketplace multiplier as they live into their calling in the marketplace? Yeah, and I mean, this over and over again, it was probably throughout the book, and, and you've seen it throughout all of your podcasts, which which feature interviews that were done so that I could help these people, you know, for this book. Um, those over and over again, there were people that felt this calling in the workplace, and they felt maybe they were less than a minister. So it was like minister up here, and I'm down here, and oh, I can never do that. 
and over time, an epiphany happens for almost everyone. And I, I imagine almost anyone listening to this podcast now has some sort of a role in the marketplace or they work with people who have that. And one of the key things for us to do is to affirm that calling, to affirm that and bless it. Um, and in a way, so people feel sent uh, into it and that it's not a competition with my local ministry, it is the extension of it, and that I'm I should be equipping people to, uh, you know, to integrate their faith in their workplace and to influence other people in order to multiply disciples and fresh expressions of the church and all sorts of things. Whether it's in a hospital or a school uh, or the quickie lube I happen to be a manager at, right? Like whatever it is, we can do that. Uh, and integrate um, our faith and make disciples. So there is an epiphany, though, that does happen for a lot of people where they realize, oh, this is my calling. Um, and it is a calling uh, and a vocation. At the same time, there's the balance that comes from sorting out, well, what does it mean to understand this isn't all of who I am? And that there are some things I can't do in my workplace and that I need to do elsewhere or that my local church can maybe be a better place to do it. Um, so those are the kind of things that, that go on in their heads, it seems. Let's move to the book then, because this is an amazing resource to, to give people story and to tell stories of, of how this has happened in individual people's lives. But go back to the genesis of the book. Where did it come from and why did you decide to write it? Well, it was a fascinating thing. Um, a friend of Wayne Schmidt, who's been on your podcast many times to introduce things, uh, including this one. Um, Wayne Schmidt and I both, I work for Wayne Schmidt as his chief of staff, and Wayne and I were away at a retreat, which a friend, a colleague of ours and friend Chris had set up with a, with a, a business owner, an entrepreneur, a millionaire up in, up in Wisconsin. And we were at his house really just praying and l- kind of feeling led by the Spirit for a couple days. And he was speaking into our lives. He's, he's a way of really sensing what God might be saying even before getting to know you, he can, it just seems like he's a bit of a conduit. Um, and he is, he is a marketplace multiplier while we were, while even that phrase was emerging. And most of it, to be honest, we were trying to help sense what God might be saying to Wayne Schmidt, right? But there were a couple moments in the, in the time where it got directed towards me, kind of his sidekick, right? I'm the Robin to his Batman from time to time. And uh, even though I, I don't know that the Robin suit would fit me very well, I'm more of a, a, a Batman size person in a Robin role. But uh, I, and on our drive back, we were processing some of the things that might relate to me. And one, I had taken a break from writing for several years. I've done a lot of writing for many years, uh, had written 10 books. And something that I picked up on was how to help other people find their voice. And I had taken a break from writing like that. And we said, you know what, maybe I need to get back in the game. And maybe marketplace multipliers were a particular kind of people that maybe would not think to write a book. Um, It would be unlikely to ever uh, even write an article. Uh, But that if I could just get them on the phone and interview them, maybe I could find out what their story was and help them find their voice and help write it for them and then get it back to them. And then they could sort of, they all had final authority on what we said. So it's really their, their book. It's their story. It's not my story. And, uh, 
I think a lot of people wouldn't even know who I am with it, but I'm kind of in the background to help them find their voice. And that was a real joy to be like, okay, let me help these people tell their stories so they can connect with other marketplace multipliers or potential mark. Anybody that has any influence over any other people outside of the church walls or outside of the place the church meets. Uh, and that would include, you know, you know, a, a stay-at-home dad or mom. That would include somebody who's retired that just has a couple neighbors they influence. Anybody that has that kind of place that they can influence others, I want them to feel find somebody to relate to. It's remarkable to me as as you're telling this story to think a couple minutes ago you were talking about this hierarchy. Uh, but as you're telling the story of the book, it was actually a marketplace person ministering to a clergy where the idea came from. Exactly. And then it came to life through a, cur- a clergy talking to a marketplace person. So as you think about this, as you hear the story that way, what's your dream for what happens with this book? What do you hope when this gets in the hands of, of people that they hear and how they're, they grow and what they're pushed to as they read this book? I, well, the, that dream that's kind of threefold, what, one dream would be that um, that every person picking it up would find at least one person. They'll probably find more than one, but at least one that they relate to. Um, it might be hard to relate to me <laughs> for some people. Uh, the kind of what things I do, I'm a bit of a Bible nerd and I enjoy, all, I'm kind of into ecclesiology and read books nobody else wants to read. And I, I mean, they might not get me and get my kind of church world life I like a lot of pastors. And to be honest, a lot of people work in the marketplace. They see the pastor as this holy woman or holy man that kind of this untouchable monk, right? And it's not true, but they kind of feel a little of that. And my hope is that every person that reads it will find at least one person. They're like, oh, I want to be like her. I want to be like him. Or I'm already like him. I'm already like her. I just need to push just over the edge to be a little more intentional like she's talking about, like he's talking about. The second thing is I hope pastors get a hold of it and get it in the hands of the people they want to mobilize, that they want to send. Most every pastor, when they're looking at, uh, at their congregation or they're thinking of it or they're praying over the names, they, um, they know of potentially even dozens. Some might know hundreds. Everyone knows one or two. Every pastor knows one or two people that they would say, you know what? They have an, an intentionality about integrating their faith at work, and they just need to be equipped and need to maybe connect, would be on the pastor, connect with somebody. And I hope the book helps that pastor equip them. So I can see a lot of pastors getting three of them and giving, to, giving them to those men or women that they know of or even gathering them together to start, uh, you know, a, a chapter, a marketplace multiplier chapter from their church that sort of says we want to, uh, gather together and equip one another. And that could be for only three people, or it could be for 300, right, in a community. And then the the third thing that I really um, hope emerges is over time, I hope people it, recruit other marketplace multipliers um, from people that are unchurched. People in the marketplace have been invited to the church, to a church, probably at some point in their life in North America. What they've not realized is they're needed for the mission. And I bet most market, this book could become a tool for outreach because it could help people understand, we don't just want you to come to church to, so there's another person in a pew or another person given money. 
we need you for the task. And a lot of people in their workplaces, they're very task-oriented. They're good at getting stuff done. I love working with you and other people with marketplace multipliers. You know how to get stuff done. Uh, and I think sometimes they think they're going to go to church and do nothing and just listen. And I think what marketplace multipliers can unleash on this world is a great recruiting, mobilizing effort for the mission. And that's actually what what you might air quote say unchurched or lost marketplace people want. They want to be recruited, not sold to attend. And if I understand those wired for the marketplace, their heart is stirred right now as they hear you talk about this, because that's the cry of their heart, to join in the mission of what God is doing in the world. Thanks for your vision, Dave, and for writing this book. Listeners can find more information about the book and the MM movement at marketplacemultipliers.com. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Marketplace Multipliers podcast. For more information, go to www.marketplacemultipliers.com. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and share with others who may benefit. And remember, you too can integrate your faith and influence your workplace for Christ.